Welcome to our evening service tonight. We want to make a start with number 494, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. Let's stand, please, as we worship the Lord. Let's come to the Lord, please, now tonight in prayer. We'll commit our service and our time to Him. Loving Father, as we bow tonight in the Savior's precious name, and once more we give thanks from our heart for the privilege of being here in the house of prayer and of praise on this Lord's Day evening. Father, it is by grace that we are here, and we're thankful tonight for the great mercy that we have received and we do receive, Lord, continually from your gracious and kind hand. O God, tonight we ask that at the very beginning of our service we will be conscious of the Spirit of God speaking through us and to us. Lord, help us, we pray, in every part of our service that we will lift up our hearts and lift up our hands and our praise and thanksgiving to a God who deserves so much more, Father, than we are able to give. We are 
We are so thankful to be saved by matchless grace. So thankful, Lord, tonight that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and that there is no argument that may come against us. There is no accusation that might condemn us. For Christ has died. He has paid the price of our sin. And so tonight we are at peace, Lord, justified by faith, and we have peace with God. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that if there is a soul that is troubled or set aside, perhaps burdened down with the issues of life, O God, pour out much grace and help to every weary heart, to those hands that may be hanging down to feeble knees, to weary hearts. And, O Lord, may we find our strength and our sustenance and all that we need flowing to us from Christ, who is the great vine, so that we will be able to produce much fruit unto our Heavenly Father. Lord, tonight we are mindful of those who are sick, and we pray for them in our congregation, those we know of, others connected with the family. We pray again for those who are in need of immediate intervention. We think of Sister June Hamilton. We pray for Joanne, our Whitfield student, facing surgery tomorrow. And dear God, remember our brother Ron tonight, and we pray for Serene. Dear God, pour out your hand upon them, upon these people. And we also think of Reverend Bodner, and we pray that he will know grace and help and recovery from his cancer surgery and time in the hospital, and the Lord, he will know your joy and presence with him. We pray for Steve and Carol Kelly out in B.C., and bless them, Lord, tonight. And we ask also for others in the congregation. Perhaps we do not know the specific need, but, Lord, everything is known by our loving Father. And so, therefore, we commit our way. Bless the outreach of our congregation. Be with everyone who is involved in personal outreach and witness. And, Lord, we ask again that you would make of us soul winners for Christ, and that we'll have the joy uh, in our congregation of not only pointing men and women to Christ, but also of seeing them discipled and built up in their most holy faith. Dear God, come and make use of us, we pray, and bless us abundantly. Thankful for the young adults of our congregation, and we pray that as they minister in song tonight, that the joy of Christ would fill their hearts and the meaningfulness of the words that they're singing would impact them, and, Lord, they would sing to the glory of King Jesus. Our Father, bless every part of our service tonight. Be with your servant as he will minister the word again. May he know great joy and liberty in the gospel, and we're thankful for the ministry we've enjoyed this morning and also the past week in Port Hope. Bless those services. As we think about Port Hope, we pray for Brother Cranston tonight, and we ask that he would know strength from the Spirit. He would know a touch upon his body and bless the congregation there. Also very thankful tonight for the news we have heard about Brother Logan Elder and being accepting the call into Orlando. 
And, O God, I pray that you would fill your young servant with the Holy Spirit and that from the very first time he begins in his ministry there, that, Lord, there would be an anointing upon him and a blessing upon that congregation. And, dear Father, what you have done for that place will be repeated in Phoenix. It will be repeated in Cloverdale and also in Fredericton and that we would have the joy of seeing all these churches with pastors. And Lord, we are asking also that new doors would open, that there would be new outreaches and new works starting, and that you would bring in more young men under the call of God going forward to serve the Master in this time. We pray for Brother Gulliher involved in the radio broadcast across Canada And as it goes to Liberia and in other places, bless your servant as he faithfully prepares and proclaims the word over the airwaves. Lord, just encourage his heart. And we think of the contacts, Father, that come in through the radio. May they be multiplied and cause the word to be a blessing to the church of Christ near and far. So, Lord, we lift our praise and our thanksgiving tonight. Be with us in every part of our service now. And again, Father, we acknowledge heart thanksgiving for the the heritage that we have of the Reformation time and the great reviving that took place then, the awakening that occurred, and how that many were raised up to proclaim the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we are living in the, the wave of that And we pray that as many may be embarrassed, many have rejected and turned away from these gospel truths. Yet, Father, by grace, we will continue to proclaim them unto the end. And I pray, Lord, that there would be great signs following according to your divine purpose and will. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's honor and praise, number 492, or pardon me, 412, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. We'll stand to sing.
Amen. You may be seated. And what great truth is contained in this hymn. We think about the Lord as the physician that has healed us from the sickness of our sin, and he has made us whole. And the fourth stanza, it says, For me his precious blood was shed, for me his life he gave. Never let that theme be far from our thoughts. Never let it be far from our thinking that Christ has died, and we will think of that, remember it, turn it over in our, our hearts. And when the devil comes to accuse you, Christian, of some sin that you have committed, and he brings it back to your memory, and he says, you are unworthy. Well, it may be a true thing. We are unworthy. But we are not saved because of our worthiness. We're saved because of Christ's worthiness. And therefore, we can rejoice tonight that once that sacrifice has been made, the atonement has been given, and our God is satisfied. And if he is satisfied, then we can be satisfied. And the devil is a liar, and his accusations are untrue. And therefore, we can rejoice that Jesus is our Savior. We're reading tonight, please, in the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, chapter 3. Verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, 
What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things seen, of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. May the Lord be pleased to bless his own precious word to our hearts as we have read tonight. I want to welcome you all to our evening service. Very glad that you have joined us in person. And if you've come back again to visit with us, you're very, very welcome in the Savior's name and also everyone joining our service tonight online. And I know that Dr. and Mrs. McClelland are also joining us tonight online. They were with us for the the morning service as well, and they enjoyed the ministry of God's Word, and so we welcome them tonight. And uh, others, I don't have your name, but you're very, very welcome, and we trust the Lord would bless you uh, richly. Please remember some things in your praying. praying. Uh, Reverend Jason Boyle, the minister from Mexico City, we enjoyed his ministry last Lord's Day in both of our meetings and the missionary presentation he brought last Lord's Day evening. That was a blessing to us. And if you would like to make an offering, a donation toward the work in Mexico City, uh, toward the building fund that they have, they're trying to buy some property that has a couple of buildings on it for they have great need of uh, more space. Well, you could mark your offering envelope simply Mexico City, and we'll be sure that that goes uh, to him. We'll leave that account open for another week or so and give you time uh, to make that offering and put that in. But he is speaking in Barrie tonight, the Barrie Church. He was in Port Hope this morning, and they have a busy schedule in front of them this incoming week, visiting some folks in our congregation here and also with some family members, and they'll be flying out, Lord willing, on Thursday. So please keep them in prayer as they go back to their own place of service. 
Continue to pray for Simeon Frank, the little boy who had surgery for Alabama congregation. He is making good recovery at this time, and we're thankful for that. And please continue to remember uh, Sister June Hamilton in uh, Pennsylvania. She has had emergency surgery and had further follow-up surgery, I believe, and needing the prayers of God's people for her. She has cancer at this time, and just that the doctors will know exactly how to help in that situation. And a young girl, Joanna, in grade 10 of our school, she's facing surgery tomorrow, and uh, know she loves the Lord and is trusting in Him, but for her parents and for her, that they'll have the calmness and the stillness of the Lord's Spirit uh, during that time tomorrow for her. Also, I was talking with Reverend John Bodner this past week and his wife Dorothy. John is making some recovery. He's still in the hospital, but he's off the ventilator and he's off the out of the ICU. And so he's there working on rehabilitation for him now and getting him relocated. And I know he was so appreciative of the prayers of this congregation. As you know him well, and he's preached here many times over the years, and we want to hold up our brother before the Lord at this time. I know also Jill would appreciate your prayer. She's down in North Carolina. Uh, she's going to be speaking in the Winston-Salem congregation at the la- a ladies' conference that they're organizing, and I know she'd be greatly appreciative of your prayers. Mentioned this morning about uh, Pastor Reverend Logan Elder, and he was recently uh, licensed last Lord's Day in Greenville, South Carolina, and he received a call to our Orlando congregation. And as I mentioned this morning, he has received that call and accepted it. And so now it has to be arranged for a meeting for his ordination and installation into that congregation. And I don't think it will be too far off. I believe they'll be anxious to get him there as quickly as possible. And uh, do pray for Brother Elder that the Lord would really encourage him and bless his wife and their family and the Lord would really encourage the congregation. It gives us impetus and encouragement to pray on for the other churches that do not have under-shepherds here in our own country, in the United States, and also remembering our churches in Northern Ireland, in the United Kingdom. There are some vacant pulpits there as well, and I know those congregations also uh, need under-shepherds to be with them. Remember, please, our fellowship time after the evening service tonight. Everyone is invited, welcome to stay behind and enjoy the good company. And whatever food is down there, Team 2 is on the preparation and cleanup tonight. And uh, we look forward to that time after the evening service. Then Wednesday, our prayer meeting and Bible study is 7.30. And next Lord's Day will be our Sunday school opening, the general opening downstairs for everyone. And we will be having communion after the morning service next Lord's Day. One advance announcement for our prayer meeting night, November the 9th, two weeks. It is the Pregnancy Care Center presentation. It will be done by the coordinator, the leader of the local branch here, and we're looking forward to that as as she comes and explains and tells us something more in detail of the work they're doing. And if you want, would like to make a donation toward them, you can do that directly to the Pregnancy Care Center, 
or it can come through our church as well, and we can forward it uh, to them. Well, those are all the announcements we have at this time, the ministry that we're involved with, and I encourage you to remember all of these meetings and be praying for them. And if you've missed them, they are on the church bulletin that is distributed via email. And if you're not on our email list, you could speak to Brother Jonathan McAnally and he'll be sure you will be on that list. One thing that did go on the bulletin this week, we're redoing our church directory. And that means if you have had an updated telephone or address, something like that, uh, please mail that in, email that in to office at torontofpc.ca and uh, we'll be sure to include that change as we update that book for 2023. Now, I was at Port Hope on Friday night, and our young adults were there and ministered in song, and it was a real blessing to my own heart, and so I've asked them to come again tonight to do that. So, folks, you come now and minister in song, and we trust the Lord will bless that to everyone.
Well, thank you, folks, for ministering in song tonight. What a blessing that was to my own heart, and the great truth that being sung there, that we are justified, and because we know we are justified in the eyes of our Father, we are glorified already. And that is a good, secure place for us to be able to rest in tonight. So thank you, young adults, for sharing that tonight. We're going to sing number 660. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Remain seated while we sing. encourage you to remember, please, our youth in your prayers. They are living in a generation that we all know well is a, a great attack upon Christian faith and upon the stand that they need to take for the Lord in their generation. And so we want to hold them up before the throne of grace, and I would encourage every single person to remember our youth from the youngest age right through we often pray for household salvation, and certainly that's a good prayer to pray for all of our youth and that they would know the strength of the Lord in their heart 
and the conviction of the Spirit of God to declare their faith and themselves as they go forward. Many of our young folks are in a university going into that area or have progressed beyond that and certainly needing to know uh, the power and the strength of the abiding Spirit with them. Remember also our sister Linda Robinson, please, in prayer. Linda's probably watching online tonight, but she's not feeling too well, just not doing too well. And we pray for her tonight that the Lord would watch over and would bless her. We're very happy to have again Reverend Brian McClung in our pulpit tonight. He is the minister of Newton Abbey Free Presbyterian Church in Northern Ireland. And we enjoyed his ministry this morning and also the past week in Port Hope. And I know all of those meetings in Port Hope have been recorded, so if you'd like to get a copy of them, you can download them. And of course, our services here are always recorded, so you're able to pick up the messages at a later time and re-listen if you would so desire to do that. We're very happy to have our brother with us. Um, We enjoyed his fellowship and ministry about 11 years ago when he was here uh, previously and remember him and his work in his church and also in the Christian school that they have there. And his wife is also very much involved in that. And so, brother, we're thankful that you're here with us tonight. We trust the Lord will bless you as you minister the word of the Lord. Did you turn that on? Yes. Good. We're turning to the New Testament this evening and the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17. And as you're turning that up, just to acknowledge the welcome and to thank Dr. Saunders for the invitation to come and to minister the Word of God today. It's my pleasure to be here and to renew fellowship with him as well. I do want to thank James and Diana, too, for their hospitality uh, today, and appreciate uh, that very much. And also to commend the young people for ministering in song. We enjoyed you on Friday night uh, ministering in song in Port Hope, and again this evening. And may the Lord indeed bless each one of you and put his hand upon you and make you his, and that you know his help and his, his grace. We are going to read from the opening verse of this 17th chapter tonight, and we're going to read down as far as verse 15 of this chapter, Acts chapter 17, and we're reading from verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphibolus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them. And three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, saying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also." 
whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Amen. We'll end there at verse 15. We know the Lord will add his blessing tonight to the reading of his holy word. It is verses 11 and 12 that I want to direct your thoughts to for a little time this evening. Those two verses read again, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men not a few. I want to preach tonight upon the noblest of conduct, the noblest of conduct. And you'll notice there in the opening line of verse 11 that it tells us that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. With God's Word open before us, we'll bow together in prayer, and we'll ask the Lord for His help this evening. Our Father, we thank Thee that we are gathered in the house of God this evening. We bless Thee for Thy grace and mercy that has directed it so that we are gathered in this place. And we come looking to Thee for Thy help afresh as we continue on in Thy presence tonight. We thank Thee for the singing of Thy praises, for the ministry and song that has come with blessing to our hearts. And Lord, now we come to the Word of God, and we pray that Thou will close us in with Thyself for these few moments. And speak to us, Lord, every one of us. Let there be a word in season to each heart, whatever our spiritual state is this night. We ask, O Lord, that Thy Word will come with power and blessing and challenge to us. Make it even a saving word to any who know not Christ. We ask, Lord, that Thou would draw unto Thyself and glorify Thy great and holy name. So answer prayer. Grant us that help that we all need, Lord. I need that added help to preach. Grant that now we humbly pray, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul suffered much at the hands of unbelieving Jews during his ministry. Wherever he went to preach, they usually opposed him and stirred up trouble against him. 
An example of that is recorded here in the opening verses of this chapter. Being released from prison in Philippi, they have departed from that particular city and traveling along the Roman road through Amphibolus and Apollonia, Paul and his companions arrive in Thessalonica. And as his custom was, he would preach the gospel first to the Jews. That was always his practice, and therefore he goes into the Jewish synagogue, and we, told, we read there that for three Sabbath days he reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. That was his pattern. Well, the other pattern always seemed to develop as well, that there were those who did not believe, and more than not believing, they would outrightly oppose what the Apostle Paul was saying, and resented him preaching, and resented seeing those who were Jews, even leaving Judaism and coming to believe on Jesus Christ as the Messiah. We're told there in verse 5 that their motive is envy, and what a, a strong motive that is, anyone who is consumed with envy. There are many ways, no limits to what lengths they will go when they are consumed with envy. And we are told that these unbelieving Jews were indeed controlled and motivated by envy, to the extent that they hire, it tells us, these lewd fellows of the baser sort. They gather this company together, and they have the city, the city set upon an uproar. They assault the house of Jason, I would take it that they are looking for Paul and Silas. I think that is uh, confirmed there as we go down the, the chapter. They can't find Paul and Silas, but they're able to find this man, Jason, and they bring him before the authorities in the city, and they want them punished. It's interesting there how they describe what is taking place in verse 6. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither they realized something of the power of the, the preaching of the apostles and what had uh, happened as a result of the preaching of the gospel. And we have been thinking today about the Protestant Reformation. It is Reformation Sunday, and we have been remembering that, and that certainly was true with the preaching of the Reformation. It turned the world upside down. And what an upheaval there was spiritually with the preaching of Luther and others that came along after him. The Lord indeed Many turned upside down many nations as the gospel was preached and the people began to embrace the gospel, such as the power of the word preached when it has the Spirit of God resting upon it. I want us to think about what happened after Paul had to leave Thessalonica because no sooner has these individuals been brought before the city authorities, and they realize that Paul and Silas can't stay any longer in the city of Thessalonica because they're wanted men in, in, uh, in every extent of the word. And it tells us there in verse 10 that they immediately sent them away. And the next town along that Roman road was this place called Berea. And what a wonderful difference there was in this particular place compared to Thessalonica. We're told that the people there, the Jews there in the synagogue, were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and how they reacted to the preaching of the Word of God. And really, that is our, our subject this evening, thinking about the, this noblest of conduct, 
and how it is connected with the Word of God. And as I say, I I trust that we will um, take it as a reminder to how the Lord blessed the preaching of His Word in Reformation times, because there was really the the rebirth of preaching. As we know, Romanism is a uh, sacramental church. Emphasis is upon the sacrament and their worship. But that which characterizes our worship is the Word of God given central place, given the chief place. And that was something that stems from Reformation times. It was rediscovered going back to to early times when the, the emphasis was in the early church upon the preaching of the Word. The sacrament was observed in its place, but the emphasis was upon the preaching of the Word, and that's certainly something that was rediscovered in Reformation times. And God blessed the preaching of His Word and and raised up many mighty preachers in Reformation times. And tonight I trust that as we consider what the Word of God has to say here, that the Lord might come and, and bless His Word, and that we would engage in this noblest of conduct, as I highlight some things here that characterize this noblest of conduct. I want you first of all to consider here, as we think about the noblest of conduct, the reception of the preached Word. The reception of the preached Word. Because in verse 11 there, we read about those who received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. They received the Word with all readiness of mind. So there's a reception that is is worth you and I imitating tonight. As they heard Paul preached, as he entered into the synagogue, as he followed his normal, normal pattern, when he went into a new place, he found where the Jews were meeting. If there was a synagogue, he would go in and preach. Sometimes, like in Philippi, he went down to the riverside where Lydia was and others, and he spoke unto them. This is his practice of going in and preaching, starting to preach the Word. And in Berea, there is this reception of the Word of God. We, we can go back to verse 3 there. I've already quoted that verse, but it gives us a little insight into, well, what exactly did he do when he went in and preached the Word? And it's interesting to notice some of the terms that are given to us there in verse 3, because it says, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. Opening and alleging That word opening has the idea to divide or to draw apart, and it's probably a reference both to the physical and also to the spiritual, because he would have taken those scrolls upon which the Word of God, the Old Testament, would have been written. That's the feature of, of Jewish synagogues even to this day. There are those scrolls, and he would have opened the scroll, he would have rolled it apart, and he would have found the place maybe where the Bible reading was taken from that particular time, because we know that in the Jewish synagogue there was a reading of the Law and the Prophets every day. It may well be that he found that particular place, and and Paul was able to preach Christ from wherever in the Old Testament. But certainly it has, I think, a reference to that, that he's opening up the scroll, he's rolling out the Word of God and finding the place. But more than that, It's a reference as well to him opening up and explaining the Word of God, explaining what it is that he had read in the Old Testament, explaining how it speaks of Christ in the volume of the book it is written of him. And he was giving the explanation of the Word of God 
and no doubt praying that the Lord indeed would, would open their understanding. If you turn back to Luke chapter 24 and a couple of verses there at the close of that uh, book, that gospel of, of Luke chapter 24, verse 31, it tells us there, and their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. There is a need for our understanding to be opened, not just the opening up of the book and the opening up of the things that are said in the book, but then our eyes need to be opened. They need to be enlightened that we see Jesus Christ for ourselves in the Word of God, that as the things that are found in the Word of God are preached and explained, that we see Christ in all His glory and all His wonder. Verse 32, it goes on to say, these are the two disciples on the Emmaus road. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures. And we know that the Lord Jesus began at Moses and all the prophets and expounded unto them all in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. So this is how they understood it. He's opening to us the Scriptures. He's speaking of himself. And we need the Scriptures open to our understanding. We need our understanding open to the Scriptures. And if you go right down almost uh, towards the close of this uh, 24th chapter of Luke, there's another verse there, verse 45. Here he's speaking to his disciples. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. So in that 24th chapter of Luke, there's a number of references to the opening up of the Scriptures and, and how we can understand that. And that's what Paul is doing as he has gone into the Jewish synagogue and as he has started to preach He's opening up the Scriptures and explaining, setting before them, this represents Christ, this speaks of Christ. But not only is he opening up the Scriptures, it tells us there that he's alleging as well. And that word has the idea of setting down uh, before or setting down beside. It, it is used in, in the Scriptures of setting down food on a table. And that's a, a very apt picture when we think about the Word of God, because the Word of God is food for the soul. We are reminded man shall not live by bread alone. It's more than physical food that we need. Physical food might minister to the needs of the physical body, but they'll not do anything for the spiritual part of us, and that's the primary part of us. We are primary, primarily spiritual beings, though we have a physical body and a physical existence in this world. We are primarily spiritual creatures. We need that which will nourish our spiritual bodies. We need life in our soul, and it comes through the Word of God. So this word has, is used in that sense. It's, it's used of the Savior putting forth a parable. And again, there's a, there's a picture presented there to the mind, how he was setting out. As you know, he set out that, that earthly story and then had that application, that spiritual application to something that was very familiar to those to whom he was speaking. He always picked up on familiar things, whether it's the sower or some of those many other parables that, that he used to illustrate spiritual things. It's as if he was setting it out for them. Here's, here's food for their soul. Here's instruction for them to, to receive and to, to benefit from. And you can imagine Paul doing exactly the same as he goes into, whether it's Thessalonica or later on now we're thinking about him going into Berea and he's opening up the Scriptures and he's, he's beginning to speak and explain of Christ and he's setting it out before them. 
setting out food for their soul. The words of Christ are words of life. Remember that occasion when there were a number who turned away, John chapter 6, we read about it, and they followed the Savior no more. And the Savior turned to, to Peter, and he said to Peter, will you also go away? And what did Peter say? To whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. These are the words of eternal life. These are life-giving words that are found in the Scriptures, that which sets forth Christ and tells us about Him and His wondrous work and how He died for sinners at the cross. These are words of life. And this is what Paul is setting out, these words of life, as he explains and sets before them the Word of God. And there's a readiness, it tells us, in the mind of these Jews at Berea to accept to accept what it is that Paul is saying. Paul's not there preaching his own ideologies. He's not giving them his thoughts. It's, it's not like that. He's preaching out of the Word of God. He's setting before them the truths of the Scriptures, and there's a readiness of mind. As a hungry individual receives the food that has been prepared and set upon the table for them, so there needs to be that readiness in our heart to receive the Word of God as it reveals Christ to us, and that our mind isn't obstinate and shut and our ear closed to what it is that, that we are hearing. And may the Lord give us a, a hearing ear tonight and a receptive heart even to the Word of God. We live in a day when gospel preaching is in many cases despised. But the Lord has ordained the foolishness of preaching. That which Paul did in Berea is something that has to be done again and again and again. That's the calling of a minister, to preach the Word. Set Christ out as He is revealed to us in Holy Scripture. And as Christ is set out, then there needs to be that, that receptiveness on our part that readiness of mind to receive what it is that comes to us from the Word of God. I trust tonight that you have an open ear to the Word of God. You could, you could come to God's house and your ear be closed to His Word. You, you can sit under the sound of the preaching in this house week after week after week as God's servant ministers the Word, and your ear can be closed to what is what you're hearing. Oh, physically you might hear, but it's just going in one ear and out the other. It's not being received into your heart. You're not, you're not thinking upon it. You're not, you're not assimilating that just the same way as you would eat food and assimilate the benefit of it into your physical body. You can sit in God's house, and many people do sit in God's house and hear the preaching, but never take the benefit from it. Their ear is closed. I trust you don't sit in God's house like that. How sad, how tragic that would be to have the privilege of coming to God's house and the privilege of sitting under the preaching of His Word. And that's one of the, the blessings that come down to us from the Protestant Reformation, that there's preaching. But how sad it would be to come and to sit under the preaching and your ear be closed to it. I challenge you young people and children here. Maybe you come because your parents expect you to come. 
But do you come with an open ear? Do you come with a ready mind? Do you come to the house of God with that desire? I want to hear what the Lord's servant has to say. I want to hear what the Word of God has to say. And as the Scriptures are opened up, you want to hear, and you've got a readiness of mind to accept that. Well, that's the noblest of conduct here. Oh, the world doesn't look upon that as being wise, a wise way of using your time. Go and listen to a preacher preach out of the Word of God. That's not how the world looks upon it, but it's not the world that defines wisdom. God in heaven and in the light of eternity and the judgment day, we need to find out, well, what's the wisest of conduct? What's the noblest of conduct? And the noblest of conduct that you and I could ever engage in is to hear what God has to say. And that's what happened to these Jews in Berea. I want you secondly to consider here the searching of the written word. So there was a readiness to hear the preached word. There's also a searching of the written word. And as that 11th verse goes on to say, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. So here's, here's a further step along the way. They've heard Paul preach. They've, they've physically watched him scro- open up the scroll and preach and, and explain what it is that's found in the Word of God. He has set forth Christ. And then they begin to search the Scriptures for themselves. They're they're not accepting it just because Paul has said it. They want to know for themselves. They they had a history. We're we're thinking about the Jews in the synagogue. So they they had a history of familiarity with the Word of God. They would have memorized the Scriptures. That's why Paul Paul's writings are so full of Scripture quotations. He would have memorized Oh, vast portions of the Word of God growing up, being a young Jewish boy. They were greatly privileged. It's one of the privileges that is listed in the Scriptures of the Jewish nation as a whole, that they have the Scriptures, and they would have been taught them and instructed in them. So these individuals in Berea who are listening to Paul preach They've heard him, they've watched him as he's opened up the Scriptures, read it, explained it, but they want to go a little further than that. They want to search the written Word now themselves. It tells us they want to search the Scriptures. They want to confirm in their own mind that what Paul has been saying to them is what is found there in the Scriptures. They're going to compare what they've heard preach to them with what is written in the Scriptures. That is an important point to remember, particularly again in connection with the the Protestant Reformation. Yes, Paul had an authority as an apostle, but that authority is not greater than the Scriptures. It's not church authority that is the final court of appeal in Protestantism. The final court of the appeal is Scripture. It's the Scriptures that are the final court of appeal. It's not that the church gives authority to the Scriptures. It's the other way around. The Scriptures give authority to a church. 
a church that preaches the Scriptures and holds to the Scriptures and the great truths of the Scriptures and that great fundamental doctrine that Luther said a church was either standing or falling as it preached that truth, justification by faith alone. You see, Romanism turns the matter around and says that it's the church that gives authority to the Scriptures and the church can tell you what the Scriptures mean and what you are to believe and whether you can have the Scriptures or not. And it's only the church that can explain the Scriptures. That, that's, the, that's what Romanism believes, but that's the very opposite of what the Bible teaches and what we hold to as Protestants. It's the, the Scriptures that authenticate a church. And these individuals that we're reading of here in Berea want to search the Scriptures, want to find out, is this exactly as it is, as it has been told to us and taught to us as we have listened to Paul? And, and they're searching, it tells us. They're searching. That's something that the Lord exhorted during his earthly ministry in John's Gospel, chapter 5, and verse 39, we read there, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. So the conduct that they are engaged in here in Berea is something the Lord is commending. In fact, the Lord is exhorting it to those who were listening to him during his earthly ministry. He was telling them, Search the Scriptures. And surely that suggests endeavor. It suggests diligence. You can think of that text in Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A workman. That suggests effort. A workman is going to have to engage in effort the very ideas in the word, in the term. You would expect a workman to engage in effort, to engage in work. And that's the term that is used there about studying, searching the Scriptures. It's, it's the work of the workman. And may we have that particular attitude. Notice how, how frequently they did it. They did it daily, it says there in verse 11. They searched the Scriptures daily. It was a habit of every day. It wasn't just a one-off. Just because they had been under Paul's preaching that particular day, and that day, well, there's, there's an onus upon them, and they can feel the restraint of searching the Scriptures, but the Word of God emphasizes they did it day by day. It became their practice. It became their habit. Habits are always good if, if they're good habits. It's always important that you live life according to some degree of habit. There, there has to be some structure to life, or else oftentimes it will be our attention to the Word of God and the time we spend with the Word of God that, that will be in danger and will get set aside. There needs to be a structure to life, that we have a regular place for the Word of God in our lives, 
that we seek to safeguard that and maintain that and all the pressures of life that that come upon us day by day and week by week and the things that, that we need to do. It is very important that you have such a structure in your life that there is a place, a regular place, a habitual place for the Word of God, that you give time and I give time to searching the Scriptures, to finding out what it's what is said there. I, I've often said that to people witnessing, witnessing to them as well as an outreach and so on, especially people that have no background in church at all. I, I said to people, read the Bible for yourself. Because you go to somebody's door and back home and you're doing outreach and they start telling you and you know they're, they're already in, on the defensive But it's not, it's not what, what I say that's important. What does God's Word say? Find out for yourself. Read the Scriptures for yourself. Take the Bible and read it for yourself and find out what it is it says. Look to the Lord to teach you and instruct you. And may we be those that desire to find out what God says. What is it that He teaches? What is it that he, he would have us to know? Well, according to Paul, it's to do with Jesus Christ. If you go back there to verse 3, the particular theme that, that Paul is preaching, it says that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. This Jesus that I preach is the Messiah, is God's anointed one. He's the one who has come into the world to do a particular work. That's what Paul wanted them to know. That's what he wants them to study. That's his, that's his subject matter. And when they come to the Scriptures themselves, that's what he wants them to find. He wants them to find that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is indeed the Messiah. And may you and each one of us tonight find Christ and discover this great truth and come to know the Savior. The last thing I want you to consider here, and that is the believing upon an incarnate word. So there's the reception of the preached word, there's the searching of the written word, there's the believing on the incarnate word. Because verse 12 of this 17th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles tells us, therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men, not a few. So many did indeed believe. It's not just a few here in Berea. There were many who believed. Well, what did they believe? They believed on Jesus Christ. They believed on Jesus Christ. As they heard the word, faith originated in their heart. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And as they heard the Word, as they searched the Word, as they come into contact with the Word of God, the Spirit of God used the Word to originate faith in their heart. And they believed. They believed on this Christ that Paul preached, this Savior, this one who came to sacrifice Himself for sin. They believed on Him to the saving of their soul. Over in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, 
It says there, unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You see, there's, there's at least two ways whereby you can hear the word of God. You can hear it, but it's never mixed with faith. You can hear God's word, and it's never mixed with faith in your heart. It never originates faith. You never come to that place where you believe on Christ to the saving of your soul. You hear the Word. It may be explained to you. You may even take up the Bible and read it for yourself. But it's never mixed with faith in your heart. Well, that's what needs to happen. That's what happened at Berea. The Word needs to be mixed with faith. We hear the Word. Faith is granted unto us. And we're going to do what these Jews did in Berea. We're going to believe, and we're going to believe on Christ. We're going to believe on Christ. May the Lord tonight make every one of us be those who have believed on Christ. You you can believe in Christ. You can believe that he existed. You can read and you can accept it as history. Jesus Christ was on this earth. He taught. He performed miracles. You you can believe all of that, that historically that all happened. You can believe in Christ. But you need to believe on Christ. You need to be believing on him for salvation. And if you go back into the previous chapter here as we come to a close, those words that Paul and Silas spoke to the Philippian jailer when he came in before them and he he cried out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Acts 16 verse 31 is the answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on him. Come to trust in Him for salvation. Come to depend upon Him for the saving of your soul, the forgiveness of your sins, entrance into heaven. That all of your your hope and confidence is in Christ, nothing else. That's, That's the great truth that Luther discovered that set off the, the Protestant Reformation. He came to discover it out of Romans 1, 17, that just shall live by faith. And he discovered that, that, that the peace of God that he sought for so long and couldn't find in his own efforts and never would have found in his own efforts. He found that peace by simply believing on Christ to the saving of his soul. And tonight you and I need to be those who believe on Christ, not just believe in him as an historical individual, even believing and accepting what's written of him in the Word of God in that sense, but that you can say, my, my faith is in Christ and in Christ alone tonight. The young people were singing that hymn there, complete in him. To be complete in Christ, you must be leaning on Christ. You must have believed on him. And may tonight we all be believing on Christ. May the Lord bless His Word. We'll bow together just in a moment's prayer. Our Father, bless us.
Bless thy word to us tonight. We thank thee for the word of God that we have, that we can have in our very hand and that we can read it. But, O oh Lord, make us those who receive it and search it and who believe on the one who is the great subject of Scripture. Write thy word upon every heart this night, we pray. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. 